Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. The desert air closed in over Cairo like a tent, yellow with sand dust and heavy with heat that stayed on into the night. After closing up the tambourine, I'd stayed outside, walking downhill for a possible cool breeze off the Nile. I'd gone only a block and a half when the sound opened up. The shots came from the Sharia Namus ahead, echoing through the deserted streets. In a few seconds, I'd rounded the corner in time to see a man far ahead disappear into the darkness and cringing there against a wall, the figure of a woman. Are you all right, lady? Go away, please. Who shot at you? Who was it? I don't know. I don't know. Why then? What was he up to? I tell you, I don't know. Her knees suddenly gave way, and I caught her in my arms just before she fell. And for the first time, I saw her face. The face of one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient East, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story... Interviewed with Lorena. I'd followed the sound of shots that hot night down to the Sharia Namus, where I saw the figure of a man running far down the dark street and found a woman terror-stricken and sobbing. Before I could get any sense from her, she'd fainted dead away. I carried her the short distance to my cafe tambourine and put her on the cot in the office. She was every bit as beautiful as I'd first thought. Not all slender, with brown hair drawn back from her white forehead above her soft oval face. Her purse held the usual stuff, lipstick, a small vial of perfume, an identification card that gave her name, Lorena Maxwell, Mrs. Hotel Blue Nile. Her eyes finally fluttered and opened. Everything's all right now. Here, drink this. It'll help. (laughs) Thank you. Now, just lie there for a while, Lorena. You know my name? I found it in your purse. A bad habit of mine. My name's Rocky Jordan. I brought you here to my cafe. You're very kind, Rocky. Lorena, you said you had no idea who shot at you or why. You still say that? Oh, yes, of course. I don't know why anyone would want to kill me. Maybe you got to look at him. No. No, I was alone. The shots came all at once. From uh, across the feet in the shadows. I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Oh, easy. Mind telling me what you were doing out so late? Well, I... It was hot. And the hotel room gets terribly lonesome. I know it was foolish of me to be wandering around alone. It's hard to understand how someone like you would ever have to be alone. <laughs> you know the right thing to say, don't you? <laughs> Can I call somebody for you? No, no one. Well, then I'll drive you to your hotel if you let me. Oh, yes, I'd like that. Oh, Rocky! Mr. open this door! Uh, don't worry. It's only Sergeant Greco. The police? You're sure? There's no mistake in Greco's voice. Wait here, Lorena. I'll let him in. All right. 
Oh, Mr. Jordan, you prefer to take your time. Yeah, for once, I'm glad you're here, Greco. Ah, this is the one, Sergeant Bay. It is he I saw who carried the lifeless woman into this cafe. Hey, look, you got it all wrong. Oh, Mr. Jordan, I have suspected you of many things, but never before. I saw it. I, Ita... Such a get the chance. In a minute, these steps get fat and sweaty. You knew uh, Mary Stacy, Mr. Emerson? You need her for something? Just trying to find her, that's all. You need her, huh? Look, I... Uh... Too bad. Because I don't think you're going to reach her, whatever you need her for. Why not? A year ago, she wandered out of here. Left all her things. Wasn't much. A couple old cotton dresses, an apron, a box of pink face powder. Just wandered out and left them. Never came back. Mail came. I wrote on it. Not here. Is this uh, your handwriting? Yeah, that's the manila envelope, and that's my handwriting. You know where she went? Mary Stacy? No. She never talked much, except about a boy. Don't know where she went. Think about it, though. Her boy? Dead boy. Got herself killed by a man, Mary Stacy said. Anyway, if she ever had a boy, I guess she had to believe he was dead. Mary Stacy cried and made an effort to believe. You looking for her, right? Uh-huh. You thought of the river or Potter's Field? Places like that where Mary Stacy'd be? Think about it, mister. Mull it over in your brain for a minute. Night, mister. Who'd you think? <laughs> You're tired, huh? Real tired. Yeah, I'm tired. You get any supper? No. I got supper. Feel good, too, not tired. I'll remember to eat from now on so I can be like you. Flabby, huh? I'm getting flabby so as you noticed, huh? Mrs. noticed it, too. She likes it. Sister gives uh, me some a... Some other time, huh, Muggerman? All right. I'll tell what the missus whispered to me some other time. Right now, I got other things for you. Well, that's nice. Sure, it's nice. Shows are making progress. This, for instance. Exactly why. But uh, sit down and I'll try to explain. Sure. My husband, Paul, was a seafaring man by profession. He was? Yes. Five weeks ago at Port Said, he signed on as first mate on a freighter. The Yellow Star. Perhaps you remember about the Yellow Star at Trade Munitions. Yeah, I think I read something about it. A few miles south of Suez, the Yellow Star blew up. No one on board lived. Not a trace of anyone was found. So... Paul is dead. That ties in with the shooting? Now, wait. Paul did one thing for me before he sailed. He took out life insurance for $40,000 with the Greater Delta Insurance Company. Oh, it's a Cairo outfit. The money was paid to me two days ago. And then yesterday... Yeah, go on. I got a phone call. A man whose voice was disguised somehow said he was Paul, my husband. That he'd survived the disaster and wasn't dead. Did he sound like Paul? It was almost a whisper. I couldn't tell. He said... This was his way out. He was through with me. All he wanted was half the insurance money, $20,000. And and then he would disappear. Was Paul really that kind of a husband? Oh, no, it's impossible. We had our differences, but how could anybody be as cruel as that? It could be somebody else. Somebody trying to pick up some easy money. I'm sure it is. And yet, how can I be sure? Paul, or whoever it was, threatened that if I went to the police, 
He told him I'd collected the insurance, knowing he was alive. So tonight was your rendezvous with him, near my tambourine. Oh, Rocky, I had to know if it was Paul. If he was really alive and if he would do such a thing. If it's just the money he wanted, why would he try to kill you? I don't know. I don't know. Rocky, what can I do? I'm afraid you'll have to decide. It's a good guess you'll hear from him again. Oh? Better answer it, Marina. All right, now, you're all right. Did, did you see him? Oh, Eddie. I'm all right. Oh, I didn't know you had company. Eddie, this is Rocky Jordan. Uh, Eddie Largo. Hello, Largo. Hi. Eddie, I told Rocky about everything, about Paul's coming back. He, he's trying to help. You're passing a lot of information around. Yeah, to more than one. Well, you see, Eddie knew Paul. I went to him when I first got Paul's message. He knew I was going to meet Paul tonight. Largo, would Paul do such a thing to his wife if he were alive? You bet he would. I've been onto that guy for a long time. Eddie! Now, don't cover up for him right now. Always no good, and you know it. I told you to pay him off and get it over with. Did you take the money? No. I didn't want to till I was sure. Well, it looks like my advice isn't worth much. Suit yourself, Lorena. Sorry I busted in, Jordan. <laughs> An old friend? Yes. Nothing more. Eddie and Paul were buddies once. But not anymore, huh? Rocky. I'd like to ask you to stay and talk. Help me forget all this. But I'm very tired. Yeah, sure. But watch yourself, Lorena. I'll do anything I can. I left her wondering about it all. If Paul could have escaped the blast and how Eddie Largo fitted in. When I reached the lobby, the husky guy in the wrinkled white suit was still there, moving quickly behind a palm, so I took a detour. Happen to have a match? You think it's try in the desk? I like to let sleeping clerks lie. That's my only pack. Thanks. Are they all out of rooms here? Not if I wanted one. Anything else? No, that covers it. Except that bulge in your inside pocket's pulling the coat out of shape. See you around. Hey. I said that was my only pack. Oh, Sorry. Here, take a handful of mine, too. Compliments of the cafe tambourine. He didn't see the joke and watch without moving as I went out. I got in my car, sorry I hadn't asked Lorena for Eddie Largo's address, and drove back to the tambourine. When I went to unlock the alley door, I found a wad of paper shoved tightly in the keyhole. I opened it, lit a match, and made out a note badly scrawled. A Fendi Jordan. I saw more than I told the police. I saw who fired the shots. For a small fee, I will tell you and the police everything. Signed, Gita. The native beggar would come with Greco. I turned to look around for Gita, and that's what saved me. As a footstep came from behind, a knife blade nicked my ear and hit wood. But the hand held to the knife as I drove back, holding his arm and driving him across the alley to the wall. I grabbed in the darkness for his throat. His wiry frame twisted away, and the knife hilt slapped across my face. I was down, rolling away, but he'd had enough and was off running. I pulled myself up to follow, but he was gone. Lost in the black, winding streets to the north. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Here now is Larry Thorne. 
With all the fresh corn in the market, maybe you wonder why I'm going to talk to you right now about Del Monte vacuum-packed golden whole kernel corn. Well, here's why. First, this corn comes from Del Monte's own specially selected strain, a sweeter, more tender corn than you could grow yourself. Del Monte golden whole kernel corn has extremely thin skins, a high natural sugar content, and it's packed almost as soon as it's picked. It's grown where soil and climate are ideal for producing the fine, hearty flavor you enjoy in corn, too. So it tastes rich as butter and sweet as country cream. What's more, it tastes that way every single time. It's dependable as the day is long. And here's the payoff. It only takes minutes to serve. And it's thrifty, too. Besides, if you like your corn kernels the good old-fashioned way in their own cream... You can buy Del Monte cream-style corn. So I ask you, when you're busy, when the weather's hot, when you want to enjoy summer corn at its finest and its easiest, why not get Del Monte corn? Now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Interlude with Lorena. Well, why somebody had come slamming at me in the darkness of the alley made some sense. He'd figured I was trying too hard for the answer to Lorena's puzzle. Who he was, I hadn't been able to see. But the bigger boy, Gita, had left word that he'd seen who fired the shots at Lorena, and that's all the answer I wanted. I found his hovel in the Sharia Haran and roused his sister, but he hadn't been in all night. I scouted the beggar hangouts around the bazaars with no more luck. Finally, I knew it was time to put the police on his trail while it was time. It was almost nine o'clock when I entered headquarters, and Sam Sabaya took me to the morgue below. You know who this is, Jordan? Yes, Sam. It's Kitar the beggar. A knife did it? In his back. There are no other signs of violence. <clears throat> Shall we go back upstairs? Yeah. Pleasure. Where was he found, Sam? In the neighborhood of your tambourine. Now, Jordan, Sergeant Greco was led to your cafe last night by the unfortunate Gita. Apparently, the only witness to see you carry an unconscious woman into your cafe. When Greco entered the tambourine, the woman was gone. Well, for once, Greco get it right. Jordan, do you not realize the position in which you find yourself by this murder? You're not saying I did it, Sam. If it is not so, do not suggest it. But always at times like this, you make yourself most difficult to find. Do you want to know where I was? All right, I was looking for Gita. And why? Well, we finally get around to what I've been trying to tell you. Gita left this note stuck to my tambourine door. Here, read it. Mm. So, Gita saw much more than he told to Greco. Including who fired the shots at the girl. Find out who that was and you'll have the one that killed Gita. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Clayton Post was heard as Harry, Roy Glenn as Remsen, and Hal Gerard as Magruder. George Walsh speaking.
reminder to all able-bodied mystery fans, Tuesday night on most of these same stations, those devil-may-care amateur detectives, Pam and Jerry North, run afoul of a coat of arms in their search for clues to a baffling murder. They may need every bit of help you can rally from your armchair to aid Mr. and Mrs. North this Tuesday night on most of these same stations when CBS Radio turns them loose on their latest case. Stay tuned now for the Vaughn Monroe Show, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. And remember, John Lund, as yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brings you Colorful Mystery Tuesday nights on the CBS Radio Network. FBI and Peace and War, ordinarily heard at this time throughout the year, is taking its usual summer vacation and will return to CBS two weeks from tonight on September 1st. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Broadway, where you can take a bus ride into the summer evening and make believe it's a dreamboat. Then, Broadway's as innocent and nostalgic as carousel music. But if you walk, you can get hit in the face by a guy fishing for nickels under a grating. Then you can't make believe anymore. But either way, it's Broadway, my beat. Danny! Danny, come in here! The big voice that boomed through the afternoon heat belonged to Silks Bergen. Him, the heat couldn't bother. There wasn't enough of it. Silks was a jockey, about five hands high. With a wet saddle, he might have scaled 110. He waved to me from the doorway of a haberdashery store. In here, Danny, in the store. Yeah, Silk, sure. I've been waiting. <clears throat> I said I've uh, been waiting for you to pass by, Danny. What's the matter with your voice, Silks? You're down to a whisper. Laryngitis had it for a week. Hey, uh, Danny, I want that you should meet a friend of mine, Joe Murdoch. Hey, say some hello to Danny Clover, Joe. Hello, Mr. Clover. Joe. Joe's six foot six and speaks like a tenor. <laughs> You should know about things like that, Danny. Is it possible? I... Joe, uh, huh? go buy me a shirt over there. I got to talk to Danny. Sure, Silks. Add uh, the lavender and a polka dot. The dots, Joe, the dots. Uh, can you hear me good, Danny? My voice has got so far to go from down here for me to up there to you. I'll listen close. 
What's on your mind? I want you to... I, I said, I said, do me a favor, huh? About the key. Why didn't I think of it myself, about the key? What key, Silks? Well, I'm riding a race down to Maryland tomorrow, you see. I don't know how long I'll be gone. Now, you understand? Oh, that key. What key, Silks? The key for the locker at the LaGuardia plane terminal. Oh, now I know. That key for that locker. Huh? I got a parcel checked there. I ain't got time to run down for it now. It begins to dawn, Silk. Yeah, sure. So if I ain't back tomorrow night, how about having one of your boys who's on duty down there pick it up, huh? Yeah. And you hold it for me. Yeah. That'll save me rental, and it'll make us even for them riding lessons I give you in Central Park. <laughs> okay, Silks. Give me the key. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Yeah. And now, now, don't lose it. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll put it right here on my ring. By the way, what's in the parcel? Just some of my riding silks, Danny. What else does a jockey own? Oh, jam, just too long as he moved in to finish. He twisted and dropped like a bag of wet sand. Rocky! Lorena, what are you doing here? I couldn't let him kill you. Oh, Rocky, you're hurt. Give me your gun, Lorena. I told you not to come here. But I had to. I was afraid for you. And I had to see him for myself. Well, there he is. Eddie! Eddie Largo! Yeah, Largo, your very sympathetic friend. You know now, Lorena, your husband didn't come back. Then it's all over, Rocky. Maybe. I still can't figure out why Largo tried to kill you if all he wanted was the money. Well, the police came. A couple of boys took over with Eddie Largo. Lorena and I went with him to headquarters. I explained everything to Sam and how Lorena had saved my life. While the doctor took care of my shoulders, Sam talked to Lorena some more. He didn't hold her, let her go back to her hotel, and then he went down to the morgue. I rested in his office till he came up. I didn't like the look in his face. George and I have interesting news for you. Yes, sir? Lorena Maxwell did not kill Eddie Largo. I gave you her gun. It had been fired. She told you she killed him. Obviously, she tried to. However, her gun is a thirty-two. The slug just taken from Eddie Largo's body is a forty-five. So somebody else was there. Only he didn't stay to finish it. Sam, let's get out of here. No, no, Jordan, you are in no condition to go anywhere. Now, explain this. On the way, Sam. There's no time. If he killed Largo, he wants Lorena, too, and he'll move fast. Now, come on. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. Summer means bigger and better thirsts, and I hope you know the answer to every one of them. It's cool, golden Del Monte pineapple juice, the thirst quencher with the extra appeal of rich, tart, sweet, tropic flavor. Yes, and what a relief it is to find one drink. Yeah, pleasure. A great big pleasure. You know the language better than that, police. You might say something. Your two muscles and your gun make me bashful. Stage fright, huh? <laughs> Dolly. Yeah! Hey, Tinker, this is fun. Yeah. You can play too, Tinker. Yeah, such a jolly guy. <laughs> Playing movies with a jolly guy. <laughs> a jolly, jolly guy. <laughs> Oh, 
Somewhere a light going on and off made a big noise and a bigger hurt just in back of my eyeballs. It screamed at me from across the street and through a window hung with grease-stained drapes. And I knew I was still in Marty's hotel room. I knew that hours had been torn out of my life and thrown away. Then the light screamed again, and this time there were words. Big thousand-watt words that said, Pearl Club, delicious dancing girls. First one, then the other. And in between, there was the creaking sound of a rocking chair. Then the rocking chair made words, too. Don't hurry. It's rather pleasant here, sitting rocking in the dark with that brazen sign throwing its naked, intermittent light. This gum gives me the right to introduce myself. I'm Gil Sherry. Oh, should I know you? Perhaps. I believe I'm in the class book of one of our more venerated colleges. That's my identity. A thesis on Gil Sherry would make lurid reading for the boys of the old school tie, don't you think? I wouldn't know. Read me a chapter. Oh, delighted. Chapter one begins. Early in life, I learned to love money. It was a symbol of the sordid life into which I'd fallen. Now, sitting in a bleak, villainous hotel room... My comrades, a detective and a corpse. The corpse and the detective. Is that all me? <laughs> Not quite. You're the detective, true. And the corpse is the true corpse lying in the corner. Huh? And I believe he's a friend of yours, Mr. Clover. Silks. Silks. Yeah, rather fancifully named, don't you think? Silks Bergen. Proud, colorful name. But pride and color seem to have drained out of him. Maybe he's ashamed of wearing bullet holes where his polka dots ought to be. He was a neat little guy. So? And he'd be pleased with death. Death is so precise. Closes your mouth, too. That wasn't smart of Marty. Marty realizes that. That's why I'm to keep watch over you. Until you open yours and tell us what Silks had to tell you, huh? Oh, by the way, here are your meager belongings. Yeah. Your wallet, a key ring, your badge, and... A hundred-dollar bill. Marty's orders. That's good of him. They're all there? Yeah, yeah. You said a hundred dollars like there were words that hurt you. As I suggested, money is beautiful, Mr. Clover. Money buys money. Money is an ecstasy, but an exquisite pain. Oh. Uh, Gil, I dropped the bill. Huh? If you pick it up for me, I'll let you hold it for as long as you want. Go on. Touch it, Gil. Feel it. Of course, I'll get it. Yeah, Gil. And get this! I'm not going to send my boys to college. Their noses break too easy. Took 15 minutes for the riot squad to clean up room 16. I booked Gil Sherry as an accomplice to murder. And the morgue booked Silks Bergen. The thing I had to do now was break a promise to a dead man. I couldn't wait until tomorrow to use Silks Key. The key that Marty didn't even notice. A half hour later, I was in the big waiting room at LaGuardia Field. American Airlines DC-6 leaving at gate 5 for Chicago and Los Angeles. Loading at gate 4. Hiya, Lieutenant Clover. What brings you down here? You an officer? Had any trouble? Uh, locker thieves? No, only trouble was a three-year-old kid in a $400 cowboy suit screaming because he lost his nurse and chauffeur at the same time. Where's locker 147? 147? Uh, uh, right over here, sir. Let's go. Now, let's try the... I wanted her to see me first. Let her know it hadn't worked. Please, please take him away. Don't let him tell any more lies. Come along, Mr. Maxwell. Yeah, sure, but don't worry, Lorena. I'm saving you for me. I'll get out somehow. I'll get out now. Come back. 
It's all over, Rocky. That's right, Lorena. You'll still get a husband and your 40000 insurance goes back. Well, the money doesn't matter so much. I just want to go back home. I've always wanted to, but Paul wouldn't let me. Oh, Rocky, go with me. The divorce will be easy. We can catch the first plane. Uh-uh. You'd never even make it to the airport. Why? What do you mean? Why do you look at me that way? What would you say if you knew I went back to the spot where I found you the other night? That I dug a bullet out of the wall across the street. A thirty-two, fired not at you, but by you. Did you? I'd wondered why Largo would try to kill you. He didn't. You shot at him. You didn't have a gun when I carried you to my cafe. That means you tossed it away when you saw me running up to you and then went back later and found it again. Well, Rocky, I had to defend myself. I should have told you, but... You're a bad shot, Lorena. Just like with Largo tonight. You should have stuck to the knife. The one you used on Gita, the beggar. I don't know what you're talking about. How can you accuse me? Why should Gita I... had seen you fire those shots. You suspected that when you overheard him with Greco at the tambourine. So you looked Gita up. You had a big reason for keeping him quiet. What was it, Lorena? Please, I told you everything I knew. Did you? Eddie Largo sent the messages to you, sure. I don't think Eddie knew any more about Paul's being alive than you did. But where would he get Paul Seaman's card except off Paul's body? I don't know. How could I know? Try this on for size, then. You and Largo decided to kill Paul for the insurance money. So Largo went to Port Said and knifed Paul. Unknown to you, took his identification papers, then he came back to Cairo. Rocky, what are you saying? That's when you learned of the ship disaster and realized that now you could keep all the money. Largo could lump it or confess to a killing. Largo figured out a way to get his cut by making you believe your husband wasn't dead and had come back. Oh, no, Rocky. No, it's not true. Trouble was, your husband didn't die at Port Said. He knew it was Eddie Largo who tried to kill him. So Paul laid low till he'd recovered enough and then came back to Cairo secretly to get revenge on both you and Largo. Rocky, listen. Listen, it doesn't matter now. You and I, we can get away. I know we can. Sure, we That's, can. Uh... Sure. But first, you'll face your husband and check my story with his. Right or wrong, in front of Sam Sabaya. Well, I got her to headquarters where Sam brought Lorena and her husband together. It took some blasting, but their story finally came out. Pretty close to mine, too, except for a few minor details. While Sam took Lorena and Paul Maxwell to their cells, I went outside to try to clear my mind of all that had happened. It was almost morning when Sam joined me on the sidewalk. Well, Jordan, it's another day. Go on and say it, Sam. I was the sucker. All it takes is a pretty face. No, no, no. It is the final test which proves the man. Once you knew the truth, you acted most wisely. <laughs> there is a strange irony to this affair. Had Lorena and Eddie Largo not conspired to kill Paul Maxwell... He would have boarded the Yellow Star and died at sea. And his wife would have kept the insurance money by every right and gone free. Yeah. Maybe then I'd never have met Lorena. Yeah, that would have been better, too. Dependable quality always. Enjoy Del Monte fruits and vegetables. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. 
a brand you trust for flavor in so... Your money gets stolen, they can't run to the police. Yeah, yeah, and that's all I know. You can take me uptown, and that's still all I know. Yeah, don't go away, friendly. Maybe soon you'll be able to tell your story to an audience. Get in the car, Clover. Well, Marty. Good seeing you, Marty. I've been looking all over for you. Get in the car, Clover. Dolly's looking at you with a gun pointed to where your badge might be. Now just get in the car. Hey, Tinker. Hey. It's the police again. Maybe we'll get to play some more movies. After I take a gun. <laughs> yeah. Golly day. You'll play later, boys. Wait out here. Oh, Marty. Wait. This way, police. In that house. Two murders, eh, Marty? How does a guy feel when he's murdered two men? A good feeling. I like it. Open the door. Yeah. There's someone I want you to meet again, Clover. In here. Mr. Clover. Mr. Danny Clover. You mind if I blush with joy? You can still think of a reason to blush, Belle. <laughs> <laughs> Such pretty words for a man who's nearly dead. You got one chance, Clover. The dough, the hundred grand. Where is it? First, I'm going to tell you something about Marty, Bill. He had that money and he didn't know it. What? What's he saying, Marty? You tell us, Clover. Bill, when Marty had me worked over, he should have taken a look at my key ring. One of the keys was for a locker. Locker, money. Marty. How could you be so stupid? Answer the policeman, Marty. So, so I made a mistake, Bill. Don't worry. We got the police. We'll get the dough. hundred thousand dollars, Marty, like that, right under your nose. Oh, <laughs> Bill, you picked yourself a dull playmate. You can't afford a playmate who makes mistakes, Bill. Marty, you fool. You stupid fool. <laughs> Bill. I've got to ask you, too, Bill. How does it feel to kill a man? Where's the money, Mr. Clover? At police headquarters, in my office. Get on that phone, Mr. Clover. Get on that phone and have one of your flunkies.